0: All right, y'all, now listen, if you are a note taker, like this is your service, right, this is your sermon, I'm tons of scriptures, um, lots of things to write down, so just lean in, y'all at home, you've got your cup of coffee, um, get your Bibles out, we'll be all over the place, okay? Last week we started a series called This Is Us, and what we're talking about is, well, What makes us us, right? And we're talking about identity, like who are we um, as the church for sure, but more specifically, who are we as as the gathering? What are the things that the gathering values? What makes us us, right? What makes us unique? Um, Last week, I told you that the most critical truth of the entire series was last Sunday, and it was, if you don't get it right, it's okay, I'm not trying to test you, but we are his, right? That's what we talked about last week. So this is us. And the first truth I want you to get was this, that we are His. What I told you last week is that we are chosen by God. We all agree with that. Now here's the part that might have been a little bit of a curveball for you. I also told you last week that we are set apart for God. But here's the, here's the kicker, in the, and you'll, you'll have to go back and just watch next week if you didn't see it. God does the choosing. We do the setting apart. And I think sometimes as Christians we go, God, make me holy, make me holy, make me holy. And his Holy Spirit definitely sanctifies us, makes us more like Jesus. But God's looking at his church going, set yourself apart, set yourself apart, set yourself apart. And it's the setting yourselves apart that makes us holy, right? That's what we learned last week. So last week we are his. Now, everything else that comes in the series hinges on that truth, okay? So when we say this is us, there's, there's no us if you and I aren't in Christ, okay? I'm throwing some church language at you. I'm going to explain it, though. Here's what that means. If you're here in the building or if you're watching online, and we're so thankful that you are, and you're not serving Jesus, you haven't given your, you haven't given your life to Jesus, you haven't trusted what he did on the cross. So in, in our terminology, we try not to say Christian a lot because, God, who knows what that means anymore, right? Right? Um, Kind of to the point that you were making earlier, Laura, um, or that God was making through you. But when you say that you're a follower of Jesus, when Wendy and I went on a mission trip to Brazil, that was where we first encountered people that said that they didn't call themselves um, Christians because Christian meant you went to the Catholic Church, didn't necessarily mean you followed Jesus in that culture. So they called themselves believers. Whatever you want to call yourself, It's a follower of Jesus. It's somebody who has said, I see what Jesus did on the cross. I recognize that I need that that forgiveness for my sins. And I am choosing not just in this one moment to trust him, but for the rest of my life to trust him. Does that make sense? And what I would say is that makes you a follower of Jesus. Okay? That makes you a disciple of Jesus. You're intent on becoming like him. Now, a lot of people will say they love Jesus. And maybe they do. But you watch their life, and you're like, I'm not sure I'm seeing you changing at all, or I don't even think you look like Jesus, and, like, the, the confusion that that can come from. I said it the very first message of the year on video. You'll have to watch it because we weren't in the building. But I said as we rebuild this road that we feel like God's calling us to rebuild, that he wants to reestablish the guardrail of truth and of transformation. It's not okay to say, I believe the truth, and it not change us, Right? So all that to say, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, we're so glad you're here, right? I would take out a full-page ad in the snap, and I would say, if you're breathing, you're welcome at the gathering. If you're watching right now online, you're like, I I don't think I'm a Satanist, but I definitely am not loving Jesus. We're just so thankful that you've tuned in, and here's what I want you to know. Everything we talk about in this series, you'll get something out of it. There'll be something in the Word of God that you'll hear and go, boy, that's, I think that'll help me be better at at work or whatever. It'll feel like life coaching, right? But what we're talking about is for believers. It's for people who are following Jesus. Now, if you're here and you've never done that, while I'm preaching today, if God moves on your heart, do not wait until the end of the service for me to give an altar call. At that very moment, you should just stop Tune me out, I give you permission, and just say, Lord, what he's talking about, that's what I need. I recognize that you sent Jesus to the cross for me, that I had sinned that needed to be forgiven, and you've forgiven me, and I receive what he did, and I believe him, and I'm choosing to follow him for the rest of my life. Just, Just do that during the message. It'd be the best thing you get out of the message, and it's a good one, but that'd be the best thing you get out of the message, and that's okay, and if you say that prayer, then today, the second truth that is true about the gathering will become true about you. Okay, are you ready? That was the, you're like that was the longest introduction ever, and I'm not even done with the introduction, but still, it was long. Last week we learned that we are His, and because we are His, here's week number two: we are family. We are family. Let me give you some scripture to help you see that truth. Um, the gospel presentation in three scripture passages. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. I'm going to read it. It will be on the screen for you as well. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, there were Jews... And then there were Gentiles. Let me just make this super, super clear. Unless you're born in Israel, full-blooded Jew, believe in Jesus, all that stuff, then you are a Gentile. Okay? We don't use that. We don't say that to people like, you're such a Gentile. But that's, we're all Gentiles. Okay? So it says, don't forget that you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens, words we do not use anymore, by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You can hear in those first few verses that all of us were separated from God. It's true about all of us. And then he calls us near to him in Christ. Romans 8, 15 through 17 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you a fearful slave. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we're his children, we're his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. There's a phrase we leave out a lot. And then one last one. I want you to see: we're separated from God. We were adopted by God, but for a specific reason. Psalm 68.6 says that God places the lonely in families. We are his family. We are family. So we were separated from God. Then we were adopted by God. And now we're positioned by God in a family. Listen, God's plan is that people who are on the outside would become part of the family. And we are family. Um, how many of you know that families aren't perfect? Yeah, just checking. Um we tend to picture families like, you know, they're perfect, it all makes sense. And then whenever we get family pictures, we try to make it look like we're perfect, right? So um, I brought a few pictures this morning to share with you just, just to show you how crazy families can be. Um, let's start with the, the first terrifying picture of a family who apparently tried to coordinate this really awesome picture where you all jump up and look free but 75% jumped up, and 25%, the 25% that looks terrified and is reaching help me, help me, help me, went the other direction. Maybe this is a picture of your family. I'm not sure. Let's see if we have some more. <laughs> Apparently, this little boy played the same game that that her first girl was playing. <laughs> and he's like, y'all drop me all the time. I don't want to be a part of this family. And we have another one. I love this one. The, the child on the far left, um, gonna, I'm not a prophet, but that child's going to have mommy issues, right? Couple, another one. This, this next one's fantastic. See, when you're around families and families are crazy, at some point, somebody's just like, y'all, I'm out. Just let me out, right? Like this kid's like, don't drop me, don't throw me, don't anything, just out. Sometimes families can suffocate us. You ever feel smothered? You ever feel smothered by your family, y'all? You ever feel that way? And then sometimes families go the other direction and give you way too much freedom. I, I, I can't even begin to explain the, the levels of wrong in this, in this picture. But that kid on the bottom right is enjoying it. Or Something. And then sometimes, y'all, there's just no way to say it. And we, we, we've, developed an ent- we've developed an entire week in the series. There's a week that's so going to be We Are Messy, just to describe this, because sometimes families just are messy. This last picture, I'm just going to let you take it in for a second. Um, I don't know if you can tell, but yes, the baby is having diarrhea. And yes, the mom is trying to catch it. I, I hope you don't have a bad gag reflex because if you do, run out quickly. Because if you throw up, I'm going to throw up. Um, I'll, I'll, the things I thought of as I watched this were um, I, I thought, okay, number one, she must have a very expensive rug. That's all I could, th- I mean, why would a mom do this, right? And then do you see the dog? You know what the dog's thinking right now? I need another family. I need another family. This family is whack, right? I need another family. I need to get out. That that dog just looks so sad. Help me, right? Family is real, y'all. Family is real, and we are family. That means that we are real here. We're not trying to impress you. You shouldn't be trying to impress one another. We are who we are. Family is real. Now, listen, if we are family and we are, then it means we've got four things. Here we go. We're going to go through four things. The first one will be the longest one because that's really, really important that we don't forget. Family means connection. If we're family and we are, then we're going to have four things. Family means connection. So, listen, when God said in Genesis that it's not good for man to be alone, there's a couple of scriptures that I'm going to use in this message that have been hijacked out of their original context to be used in sweet weddings. Okay? And, and it's good to use them in weddings. I mean, I'm married, and I'm going to tell you, when he's outside of Jesus the best thing that ever happened in my life, and it's good for this man to not be alone. Right? But that's not what God was talking about, just marriage. It's true of all of us. We were not designed to be alone. The verses that we're going to read, you're going to hear this all the way through these verses, that we need connection, and family means connection. Now, we all, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, remember, we all have a common connection to God, right? Um, yeah, everybody in this section is an individual, Yes. And so in your individual soul, you all have a connection to the Father. We all have that in common. And a lot of church people want to stop there. But God also desires that we would have an uncommon connection with one another. If you read the New Testament, you'll hear Jesus say things like this. If you love one another, they being people outside, they will know who I am. They will know that the Father sent me. Jesus is looking at, can I say, like 12 yahoos? He's looking at these men, and he's like, if y'all will just get along, they'll know why I came. Translation, in the inverse, if you don't get along, they're never going to believe my message. I'm going to be telling them that I came here to heal the human heart that is divided amongst itself, and they're going to look at me and go, you can't even get your 12 guys to get along. So it's the connection that's uncommon that carries so much weight. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21. It'll be on the screen. Yes, I'm going to read it all. Here we go. Paul's writing. I want you to see this common connection to the Father and this uncommon. We need to do this together. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, May have power as you live your life completely by yourself, on the grid, apart from everybody else. Is that what it says? May have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all I ask. Is that what it says? No, we, or imagine, according to his power that is work only in me. No, within us. To him be glory in the what? Church. These aren't hard questions. You've got this. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We have an enemy who wants to divide us because we have a father who wants to unite us. It's through us that his power is revealed. I want you to see that. We have connection to the Father's power, but we need that because we need to be together with all the Lord's people. And it's when we're together with all the Lord's people that his fullness comes. There's um, a German forester who was in the woods because, you know, that's what foresters do. They go in the woods. And he was in the woods, and he stumbled across. I shared this in prayer a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. He stumbled across a stump, and, you know, stumps are dead. So there's this dead stump, and he sees moss all over the stump. And he's like, what in the world? Like, this is a dead stump. And how's that happening? And so he, he did some research. He found that that stump was still producing chlorophyll. Now, I'm telling you all this, it makes me sound brilliant, but I'm just repeating to you what I've read. So he he is still developing chlorophyll, and because he's a forester, he's like, how is this possible? How can a dead stump be producing chlorophyll? So he studied a little bit more about the way the forest operates. He was so fascinated with it, he wrote a book called The Hidden Life of Trees. It sounds like a boring read to me, but this part is fantastic. He said, whenever trees get diseased... Because of the connectedness of the other trees in the root system under the ground, surrounding trees will send nutrients to the dead diseased tree until the dead diseased tree is healed or comes back. It's amazing, isn't it? Did, Did you see what Paul said? I pray that you may have power being rooted and established in love together with all the Lord's people. Now, look, we're, we're Americans, right? We've got the individual common love of God. We've got this. It's this that we struggle with sometimes. But this is where the power is. We're connected. Family means connection. Our enemy takes an ax to these roots all the time. Do you all feel that? Like, oh, he's chopping at this unity again. Hebrews 12, 15 speaks of a root of bitterness. It says this, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Do you see the, like, it's me, but then it affects everybody. Do you see that in there? He's like, look, you look out for everybody else so that no one person receives this poisonous root of bitterness. Because if if bitterness gets in, then it can poison you, but it will corrupt everybody. Because we're all connected, y'all. I mean, look at your legs. They just look like two legs, but there's like roots that are coming out, and we're all connected one to another. And what you have is going to affect me, and what I have is going to affect you. And family means connection. I mean, let's just I won't even point out whether it's the dad or the mom or the kids, but have you ever noticed all it takes is one person in your house in a bad mood and what happens? It's not fun. And it also takes one person to be full of so much joy you think that they just won the lottery. And it will infect the whole house. We're connected, y'all. Listen to this statement. There will be offense. What I mean by that is you, you and I will always have an opportunity to get offended at somebody. If you're in a family, you could say amen to that, right? Doesn't take much. There will always be offense, so there must be forgiveness. We forgiveness is what purifies what offense poisons. Here's the second thing. So connection is great, it's huge. We gotta be connected. Family also means protection because there will be attacks, so there must be defense. We, I just you to know this. We need to make sure that the attacks come from the outside in, not from the inside to the inside. And the enemy's plan has always been steal, kill, and destroy. And the way he does that is little wedge here, little wedge there, push people a little further apart, use their words, make them so angry at each other. Do you, do you, I guess you all know this, right, because you've probably studied history. But they interviewed descendants of the Hatfields and the McCoys. You know about this big feud, right? And they they interviewed people who were so far removed that those people didn't like the other family but couldn't tell you why. The only reason was, well, they're Hatfields. Well, they're McCoys. But they couldn't tell you why it started. That's the way the enemy works. So family has to mean protection. We've got to have each other's backs. Basically... This is the no one talks about my family principle. You, have you ever fallen victim to that? I have. I've, I've stood in conversations and heard people talk about their family members. Like, they just talk about their family members, right? Because I'm pastor. I need to share something. <laughs> They'll just say stuff. And, like, they're complaining about their family members. And, like, the worst thing that I could say in that moment is, boy, you're so right. Because you know if I say you're so right, what are they going to do? The attack turns to me now. But, but I'm just repeating what you said. Yeah, but I can talk about my family. You can't talk about my family. You ever said that to somebody? You ever heard that? Can, can, now, I know that's weird, but can I just make this quick statement? I personally believe we need a little bit more of that in the church. I think we, we need a little bit more of, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Stop. You're not talking about my sister like that. Do you know that I have said this? Maybe I've even said it to you. I've had people come to me and tell me about another person in the church, at at other churches, and, and like, what they have said to me just made me go. I've said out loud to people. What? Are you sure? Like, that doesn't even sound like that person. And then later on, I guess we find out. It wasn't. It didn't go down like they said it went down. Like, there's got to be this, like, time out, time out i got their back. I've got their back. Um, Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9-12, another passage that we love to frame and use in marriages, which is great. But listen to the context. Two are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, unless you're that girl in that first picture. Pity her. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Can't you just feel the wedding vibe here? Oh, that's so sweet. And it's good. I mean, it's really, really good. Like, we are stronger together. But look at verse 12. A person standing alone can be what? Attacked. They can be defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three or even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I, I love the way verse 12 is worded. He says, look, you're, you're in trouble alone. You're going to get picked off by the enemy. But if you've got somebody with you, you can stand back-to-back and conquer. So the, the, you've already conquered the enemy by being back-to-back. And then he throws in, but hey, if you can get a third person, now that's awesome. If you get a third person, there's no way that's going to get broken easily. And so... If you have three people, can we say, just see if that's, this sounds familiar to another verse in adjustment. If we have three people, are we more than conquerors? I think there's something to that. We're, we're not meant to do this alone. Family, is, it's all about connection, but it's also about protection. This person is saying, I'm with you, back to back. Hey, hey, y'all come, come over here too. What happens if four get together? Five, what happens if like 400 get together? Family means protection. It means we've got each other's back. You know, it's also true in the forest that when one tree is attacked by, say, like beetles or something, the tree that's under attack will send a signal underground to the other trees to alert them that there's somebody in the midst that shouldn't be there. And you know what those other trees will do? They'll actually send up through their system to the leaves repellent for the, peop- the thing that's attacking that one tree. As they're also sending back stuff through the roots to help that tree ward off the attack. I just, I just look at that and go, my God, if trees can pull this off, right? Like, if trees can do this, surely we can do this. Here's the third. The third thing family means. Family means, we'll get through this one, I promise. It means correction, right? So that's some of what's happening in this message probably, right? Family means correction. Um, parents. Come on, when's the last time you said, uh, y'all, we need to have a family meeting? And, like, when you're a teenager and you hear that, oh, God. I mean, even teenagers that don't love Jesus start praying, right? <laughs> Sometimes family means correction. Proverbs 27, 17, you've heard this verse. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Ephesians 4 Verses 14 through 16, Paul writes this, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every word, uh, every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Can I just make this statement? There will be conflict, so there must be commitment. I mean, if we're just two people in a room, there's conflict, right? I've been in the room by myself and had conflict. It's possible. We know that there will be conflict if there's family. And so there has to be commitment. In that passage we just read from Ephesians, it's the commitment of the family to speak the truth in love that keeps us from being blown back and forth by the wind. I mentioned in that the the truth and transformation as the guardrails that we want to reestablish here in 2021. I mean, we've got to have people in our lives that can speak truth to us. I said, time out. You're going in the wrong direction. So I want to help you get back on the path. And that's what family does. Family corrects. Um, These are really simple answers. Do we like to be corrected? No. Do we need to be corrected? 100%. Because Ephesians 4.15 says that it makes us look more and more like Christ. Last one. Family means direction. What I mean by direction is... I know what to do, and I know how to act. I know how to be because it's in my DNA. Does that make sense? It could be a weird concept to get a hold of until you're a parent. And once you're a parent, you sit out in your car before you go into your friend's house for dinner, and you say to your kids, kids, we're going to go in there, and we're going to have supper. And you're a Jenkins or you're a Smith, or you're a Wilson, or you're a whatever, and you know how Jenkins act, I don't hear no foolishness come out of your mouth. You say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, thank you, ma'am. I mean, you've done this. You might have different expectations, but you sat in your car and told your kids what the expectations were before you went in, and you probably also told them that if they didn't meet them, they would die. Family means direction. It, it provides the agreement necessary for movement. Amos 3.3 says this. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Have you ever tried to go one way when somebody else was trying to go another way? Yes, you have. You just didn't think of it that way because you've all played the game tug of war. Right now, I use this in a sermon illustration way, way back. But if you can imagine a tug of war rope up here on the platform, if you've played tug of war, you know that like one group gets over there, another group gets over there. Usually you try to make it somewhat even. There's a red like thing tied in the middle. And the whole point is to pull that over here so this team can win or to pull it over here so this team can win. Yes, you've played this game with me. Shake your head. We're almost done. You're doing great. Here's the truth about tug-of-war and how it fits into the family. Amos 3.3 says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And when we fail to allow family to give us direction, we end up fighting against one another. And guess what's true about tug-of-war? Tug-of-war can have a lot of activity and no victory. I've seen battles in tug-of-war where this side pulled. It was so close. And this, they pulled. Wow. This, oh, right on the line. And oh, pull. No, let's come back over here. And they just go back and forth. And, and eventually they're exhausted. Tons of activity. Nobody won. And I would submit that this is the most beautiful part of family. Is that it provides us direction. So that we can all go in the same direction. And not fight against one another, even over good things. And the illustration I use in church talk is this. Let's see, if this doesn't apply to your churches you've known in the past. We don't want it to apply like this here. But you have men's ministry, and women's ministry, the music ministry, the preaching ministry, the small group ministry. They're all good things, aren't they? I'm naming all these. When, tell me when I get to yours, right? Hospitality. You have all these programs. And everybody's pulling in their own direction. And there's never a victory. You're just burned out, tired, and a lot of activity, and nothing got accomplished. Because the inverse of Amos 3 is also true. If two people agree on the direction, holy cow, y'all, how far can they go? Right? And I mean, we'll be like, come on, let's go. We're going that way. Family provides that direction. It's in the it's in the pulling and the tug of war. I mean, that's just normal stuff, right? You don't even have to be mad at each other for that to happen. That's just life. You've seen it in your own families. But in this place, I want you to know this as we wrap this up. That will destroy unity. And why ask yourself this question why does God want us to have unity above all else? And why does the enemy fight it so hard? You ever ask yourself that question? Psalm 133, verse 3. This is the answer. Harmony, this is a New Living Translation. Harmony, and, and if you've got the NIV, it says unity, is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. Now, none of us have been to Mount Hermon probably, and none of us have been to the mountains of Zion. So those are places. But what I want you to get is the last part. He's talking about unity and harmony. He's talking, y'all, about family having direction. And he says this, and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing. You might have a translation that says he commands his blessing there. He commands his blessing in a place of unity. And so when we walk in unity, when we understand the direction, then God puts blessing there. And I'm telling you, Our enemy does not want us to have that blessing. He doesn't want anybody in the world to have that blessing. Because I believe this. The way that God blesses unity is when we walk together in unity, then it testifies to the world that Jesus is who he says he is, and he came to do what he said he would do. And the world goes, holy cow, like, we can't figure out how to get along, but they are. Like, can you imagine people in the church in Ephesus, like, like wait a second like you're a gentile and i'm a jew and you're a man and i'm a woman and like you're a slave and i'm not and huh like we're all these reasons we should be pulling against each other but jesus said but there is none of that anymore you're one you read the book of ephesians see how many times he talks about unity how many times he talks about us and being together and rooted because he wants us to share in that blessing last thing big idea and we're done The heart of God is for the family of God. The heart of God is for the family of God. It's always been his desire to take people from the outside and bring them into the family. He's a a God who loves to adopt, right? So listen to this statement, and then I'll pray. Anything that works against family is not from the Father. Anything. Anything. Anything that works against family is not from the Father because he's for family. And we are family. I want you to know that the the enemy hates that we're family. He hates it. But the Father protects it. I want to pray over you. I want to pray over us, right, that we would know this powerful unity that comes in the Spirit, that we would have roots that are connected one to another, and that in that place he would give us a blessing like we've never known. And the bigger blessing is you— are going to head out of here, and this week you're going to get to have conversations with people, and you're going to get to point them to Jesus, and they're going to believe you. (laughs) They're like, man, what you're talking about must be true, because I've seen how you get along with that other person, and that person's a jerk, and you're like, yeah, I used to think that too, but now, like, I've gotten to know them. And they're a person just like us. And when we live like that, man, the blessing that comes is a huge, huge harvest of souls. All right, let's pray. Father, We thank you for the truth, God, that we are family. And, you know, I think back to those pictures. um, (laughs) Sometimes we're all those families, just craziness. And in all of it, God, you you just want us to be together. You want us to be one. You want us to have unity, to be walking in that same direction together. And when we do that, God, we just say thank you for the blessing that you're going to pour out on us in that place Thank you for adopting us and putting us in family. Um, I just say for all the people in this room, a thank you that we are serving a God who also is a father and who has taken us when we were lonely and apart and you have placed us in family. Thank you, God, for helping us here at the gathering to try to live that out in a way that honors you and honors one another and honors family because that's what your heart is all about. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen.